Welcome, welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Vincent Williams, and I am joined as always by my partner. Hey, what's up? This is Len, aka the Bat Triple. And on this, the second week of Black Music Month or African American Appreciation Month, depending on how you want to name it. We are continuing our yearly exploration of films that feature black music, and this week we are going to spend some time with a bit of a musical period piece. Whether or not this is an actual musical or not, we will talk about it, but music is certainly centered in this film with Ving Rhames, Terrence Howard, Faison Love, Paula J. Parker, Ben Vereen. Paula Patton, and although it is not their official introduction to the world of film, I think we could argue that this was their coming out as actors, starring Big Boy and Andre 3000, better known as Outcast. We are, of course, talking about 2006's Idlewild, the choice of Lynn Webb. But before we get to the wildness in the idol, Whereas we sit idle in the wild. Lynn! Hey, yo, what's up, Ben? I don't know where, how the weather is where you live, but where I'm living, it is blazing hot. <laughs> it is mm-hmm. very, very, very hot. If we had like a quick storm, it did nothing to cool it off. I've got fans going here in my house left and right, but it is... It is insane, man. I just feel like sweat. I fe- I literally feel sweat right now dripping down the side of my body. It is really hot over here, Vince. Nice. <laughs> well, <laughs> that ain't nothing nice. <laughs> that ain't <laughs> that ain't nothing nice. It is hot. It is hot. Um, I saw that Justice Raji hit us up in our in a in a Facebook Messenger. Hey, what's up, Justice Raji? And notices that um, catching up on the show, I sit in equal anger thinking of anyone finding 53 people to sing anything before we call Luther Vandross. It is one of those two American things for sure. Appreciate you guys. Keep it up. Peace. Thank you. Thank you. Speaking of rage inducing things. (laughs) <laughs> yes yes and well it's, it's apropos to bring that back up for um african-american music appreciation month uh to bring up luther vandross and some voices that we you know we don't hear anymore um one because unfortunately they are no longer with us and two because for reasons unbeknownst to me i think some voices have tended to i guess age out of popular culture or or, yeah or or what have you or or certainly with radio i mean i mean of course like you know the quiet storm keeps a lot of older uh sounds going but um like I was thinking about that the other day, and maybe not so much with Luther Vandross. L- Luther Vandross has a couple of mm-hmm. more than a few timeless hits 
that will always keep sure. getting played on. Like I said, if no other place than at least like the um, Quiet Storm radio sections, sure. right? But I was thinking about somebody like Freddie Jackson. Yes. Me, myself, I never really truly warmed to Freddie Jackson like that, but he right, was right. a name. Me either. And yet you don't hear Freddie too much, and he was a big name for for his time, you know? There was something I read like five or six years ago talking about the politics of classic rock. Okay. And and how the 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 algorithm that is used and and the the, the programmers basically decided or decide present tense what will and will not move into the future and say okay this is classic rock like like if you weren't there all you really hear is what the programmers put on these stations right and I always think about there's a station here in Philadelphia. So we have a classic rock station, but then we also have like, you know, almost an alternative station that plays rock music basically from the 90s. And, you you know, we were there. And it is fascinating to hear what all is making the cut and what all isn't making the cut. Like, like I was it, it, on the way. It's so fun. It's weird. Always. I know how the what direction these conversations are going to go <laughs> but we were coming home and i was listening to it and they played creep by radiohead off of their first album and, and not the first creep i think of but i'm with it go go right go. Or, no 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 not tlc's <laughs> right? creep creep by radiohead and off of pablo honey which is kind of interesting because many of us when we think about radiohead we think about the the music that came out of um Okay, computer, which was sort of where they got kind of almost electronica. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was listening and they were playing creep and I was like, wow, you don't hear a lot of Radiohead pre okay computer. And Radiohead is huge. But just that, the fact that this kind of big hit that they had, they don't play it that much. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, this, this station plays like, you know, they, you know, they play Nirvana and they play some, you, you know, some some Pearl Jam, like the big 90s stuff, but it's a lot of stuff that doesn't get played. And I think you're right, just to pivot to the quiet storm. I think there are a lot of musicians, a lot of artists, and a lot of songs that were around mm -hmm. that you don't hear as we move away from it. And the programmers kind of put together these playlists on these, you know, for lack of a better word, oldie stations. Right. And you do wonder about what goes into those choices and who decides what makes the cut. Something that you and I are talking about for something we're doing later this week. The, the flip side is you have a group like New Edition. Yeah. Who they never, ever stopped playing New Edition songs. Like, like you, you know, they've been playing stuff off of Any Heartbreak since Any Heartbreak came out. I don't think there was a time they ever stopped playing like Candy Girl. Right. And certainly, you know, Bobby Brown has, you know, into perpetuity. But it is, it is kind of fascinating who does and does not make the cut with this kind of stuff. And, and I, I, I didn't notice Freddie Jackson because I have to say, like, I've been turned from... You are my lady since it was actually out. 
so I've never noticed a Freddie Jack. But that is interesting. You you think that Freddie Jackson is fading away because he's not being played on the stations. I think he is. I I think he is fading away. And there's another one, another name who I think is fading away, but I could be wrong because I don't listen to easy listening or jazz as much as you. Are people still checking for Will Downing? I'm going to say no. Wow. I'm go- it's, boy, it's, wow. It's so, it's so, it's so random. I feel like sometimes you're like Alexa or Siri and you're listening in on me. We had a whole Will Downing. <laughs> we had a whole Will Downing conversation in my house last week. It was like Will Downing and, uh, oh, who was the other dude we were talking about? Because we were talking about those dudes. Okay. Well, Will Downing like and Freddie Jackson, da- Freddie Jackson are almost like the same guy. Right, right. And it was like, how come they, like, what happened to Will Downing? Well, I mean, I'm I do, on the radio. On the radio. I mean, because I, I know he. Right, on the radio. Yeah, yeah, because he had some personal, like, some health issues. I do know that. Sure, 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 um, sure. I actually had fun this week introducing our social media person, uh, Toya. My wife just texted me, Keith Washington. But, you know, Keith Washington, I think, I think Keith Washington fumbled the ball. Like, Keith Washington was right there. Like he had kissing you, and he had the mustache. Remember, he had the wavy mustache. He, he had waves all over. Yes, like he was all waved up, and his mustache was. And it was like if Keith Washington has one more hit, he about to be the king of adult contemporary R and B, and he just never had it. Yeah, I know. And he he had a lot of good stuff. Um, Jeffrey Thomas says that Will Downing is the most underrated singer. He has great music, and I play him all the time. Well, there you go. That's that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I had fun. You you introduced Toya. I intro I introduced Toya to my favorite one of my favorite songs of all time, but it is easily, and by that, it is also my favorite duet of all time. And it, she had never heard it. Is by Gerald Levert and Tamia. They do a version of "Close to You." Wow! And it appeared on both of their albums. Um, I don't, I don't remember the name of Tamia's album. I believe it was on Gerald Levert's uh, "Stroke of Genius" or uh, album. <laughs> wow, you know the name of a Gerald Levert album. <laughs> Hey, hey, I can't, I, I'm, I'm keeping that name alive, right? I'm keeping Gerald Levert. Right, I'm keeping Gerald right, Levert. Yeah. I will keep Gerald yeah. Levert al- alive. One, because I, I have an appreciation for the man's voice. The man can sing his ass <laughs> off. Two, right. because he is one half of one of my 10 favorite songs of all time, Close to You with Tamia. And three, because he was the star of one of the greatest concerts I went to a, of all time. That man put on a hell of a show had a great time okay all right all right but this song i couldn't i couldn't fathom in my mind that you know toya who actually for for those who don't know while she is our social media director she has actually covered music for almost Mm -hmm. her entire life which is why it led to the two podcasts that she does she had never heard this song and there are a lot of people i have run up to who have never heard You've never heard that. You don't strike me as a Gerald Levert fan. I'm 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 not a huge Gerald Levert or fan. Or Tamia no. fan. I'm not a huge Tamia fan. She seems like a very pleasant person. Though. I love myself some Tamia. I lo- I I 
fell in love with Tamia just from her music. And then when I saw her, I was like, oh, my God. Uh, 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 Grant Hill, you are a lucky man. So uh, in case you didn't know, she's married to Grant Hill. I did know that. He's a basketball player, Vince. I did know that. A Hall of Famer. Okay. Look, man, I'm with you. Okay. I'm with you. Okay. So I'm curious. Well, you know, you've never heard that song. I will introduce it to you. I think you will like it because it's an amazing cover to this song. But I'm curious, where do you, where do duets fall for you? Oh. Do you have like a favorite it, it, duet? Or are you just a straight Marvin Gaye, oh, Tammy Terrell no. guy? No. <laughs> There's a running joke in my house that I always say Alexander O'Neill and Sherelle were the Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell of the March of 1982. Um, oh, please. <laughs> Like one month, like they had one real strong month. Um, they had, no, know. they had one weekend. <laughs> they, right. And you know what? You know what day know. that was? Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday, Friday. Was it Saturday love? It was Saturday love. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't know. I like a lot of duets. I really like. Donny Hathaway and Roberta Flack's album. Oh well, hell, you can't go. I mean, dog, put drop the mic right there. Yeah, drop the mic right there, man. So, so that might be my favorite, my favorite duet duo. So, that's my duet. But I am kind of fascinated by that 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 vein of like like everyone you're talking about, like that Freddie Jackson, Keith Washington, Will Downing, like like floating right up against smooth jazz. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 like that, that, that demographic that Kim has sort of gathered. You want to talk about a, a brother that I do not get. I've never gotten the fascination with Kim. I don't understand how everyone you just named and you don't understand Kim. Kim is the final form of everyone you just named. Well, I'm not a big Freddie Jackson, Will Downing yeah. fan. Um, Keith Washington is something different. Keith Washington is not smooth jazz. Keith Washington is R&B. No, no, no. He's right there, though. No, like, he's, he's not. Right there. No. Like it's real. It's like that Gerald Albright. Okay. Like it's real smoothed out. Like it's real smoothed out. I always said when people graduated and got their first job and bought a townhouse and they had like white leather furniture. <laughs> They have white leather furniture and they got a job down at Social Security. They got a good job. You can pass drug test. <laughs> I can't pass the drug test. They can, you can pass some drug tests. That's the bar. We're all over the place. We're all over the place. But you know what? This is what happens when the kids don't, don't, this the kids. This is what happens when the missionaries don't send letters. You remember sitting around and dudes was trying to get ready to pass drug tests? They be running around in them sweatsuits and drinking Golden Seal <laughs> <laughs> and big old bottles of water. It was like, oh, somebody trying to pass a drug test. It was that transitional period. It was a transitional period. <laughs> People had graduated and were trying to get into jobs. <laughs> they be outside the lab. <laughs> Yup, now you said <laughs> we right outside the lab. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, oh yeah, gallon of water and golden seal. Drink golden seal. 
<laughs> and have on the, the have on the sweatsuits that look like aluminum foil because oh, they were trying to sweat it out. Wait a minute. This reminds me. <laughs> I swear to God, I went with my boy. He went for um, he went for a a drug test to uh to become a cop, right? So mm-hmm. he nice. had he had to <laughs> clean himself out for like about like uh-huh. six months, right? So uh-huh. me and my other boy, we went with him like to the lab to take the drug test. <laughs> and my man, we was outside in the car. But man took took a, a blunt out his pocket, lit it, gave it to my man, and said, "Hold that." Came back and blew that blunt up all by <laughs> The missionaries, I, I don't know if they're enjoying our conversation. They're going back and forth about um, <laughs> duets. <laughs> Uh, Deborah Battle said that Luther Vandross was a great duet partner with many women. Uh, maybe, maybe in the studio, not on, not on stage. Um, Brie Brie Five Seventeen says that Mariah Carey and Luther remake song was always my favorite. It took me years to find out that that wasn't the original version. I don't even know what song she's talking about. Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't even know. I didn't know Luther Vandross did a uh, duet with Mariah Carey. Like um, th- when I think of Mariah Carey du- duet, I think of the one she did with uh, Juan Ye from Boys and Men. Right, 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 right. I'm sorry. Now I'm on old dirty bastard because him and Mariah go back like babies and pacifiers. Well, there you go. Speaking of hip hop, action figure experts got love for Firm Business by Foxy Brown and Jay Z. And Toya, uh-oh, T- Toya, she she wanted to reclaim her title. There's a duet she did hear about. Uh, the Mariah Carey Luther song was "Endless Love." Oh, so that's not. She's not talking about the um Lionel Richie Diana Ross one. Right. Which to me is better because that's the one I know. I don't even know the Mariah Carey Luther Vandross. So here's my funny Diana Ross, Lionel Richie, endless love story. My dad used to love Diana Ross. Okay. Like my dad loved Diana Ross. I heard my father speak ill of Diana Ross one time in his entire life. Mm-hmm. On Diana Ross's album, she has a version of Endless Love that she sings without Lionel Richie. It, what, she just got so somebody from the band singing or something? No, no, no. no. She just sang it by herself. Oh, okay, okay. So, you know, it's a duet. I think it was on, I, I think that might be from like the Blue Lagoon soundtrack. Mm. Something random. Was a huge hit. On her album, she sang it by herself. And my father thought that that was bad form for her to take money out the mouth of that Lionel Richie. That man from the Commodores could use that money. So whenever I think about Endless Love, I think about how there was a there was a crack in the relationship between Diana Ross and my father over Endless Love. He's got a good point, though. <laughs> <laughs> it was just super random. It was just the most random thing that that was his, like, that was his line in the sand. Diana Ross in Endless Love, she ain't had let Lionel Richie be on the version on her album. He's got a good point. Um, look, man. Bree Bree five seventeen says that the Mariah Carey version is better. First of all, it's not a good song, so I don't really <laughs> care ultimately which See. one is better. It's it's a very trite, oh, insignificant boy. piece of <laughs> pop fluff. It's not a good song. I'm sorry. You're real, ag- 
You're real aggressive about Endless Love. It's not a good song. It's Vince, come on. Put on your critic hat. Is Endless Love a good song? I mean, it's it's disposable. Early 80s. Disposable. That's where you're going? Endless Love is part of my ongoing argument that R&B music pushed us into hip-hop because it had become kind of pablum. Mm-hmm. But Endless Love is no worse than anything else them people were making in the early 80s. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a- You know, I'm a little kid in the back of the car listening to Al Green and the OJ. speaking of the Levert family, the OJs and Aretha Franklin, and now we've moved into this kind of stuff. I need something a little harder. What's Melly Mel doing? Well, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, well, there you go. So that's what you have to think. You have to th- gangster rap came because of endless love. And by gangster rap, just hip hop. Well, I'm not, like just I'm, I'm not going to say hip hop because hip hop in itself is not a bad thing, and that that is is a beautiful thing. But it's it's you know dive or fall into gangster rap which i think for the most part is nothing but negative is because of the move the trite of endless love (laughs) that's that's your argument i drew that i drew that i drew that that's my line in the sand there you go that's your line you're gonna skip over the 10 years of hip-hop and go right to um and NWA. NWA. Okay. NWA okay. All right. is because of endless right. love. Is it because of endless love? Yes. All right, look, gay. And, and and what's worse, NWA is because of the version of Endless Love that appeared on Diana Ross's album with Outline or Richie. <laughs> without without <laughs> Richie. My dad is looking down from heaven and he's giving you a nod. That's right. <laughs> well you never know where, where we're gonna we are go. going before i've said well y'all don't write letters you know what you don't write in then we're just gonna talk about whatever we want to talk about <laughs> and that's when we get the letters about i wish y'all could just get straight to the movie <laughs> <laughs> Or at least put a timestamp of when the review of the right, movie. Right, put the timestamp. Put the timestamp. This is where, sir. Because, well, this is your fault because you start talking about radio programming, which is super interesting to me. I know the politics of it. I know, I know. If only we could do something like I don't know, sit around in a lounge and just binge out on type of stuff like this. <sighs> Here we go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, th- let me just let you know that the last week of June, Vince and I will be doing a binge lounge right here yes, live that's right. on uh, Facebook and YouTube. So uh, we don't know what we're going to be binging about. Let us know. Write us. Write us. Let us know on Instagram, on, on all the social medias. Let us know what do you want us to binge lounge on on, on uh, the last week in June. Hit us up on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, at Michelle Mission. Email us at Mission at gmail.com. Let us know what you want us to talk about on that last week. Uh, what else do we got to do? Oh, 
nothing else. Let's get to our sh- let's get nothing, to our review. Let's get to our, right. our review of Idlewild. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. Just like I told you. That was the day me and Rooster met. Percival, pay attention, Percival. B flat. Piano was my thing. <laughs> Rooster preferred singing and gambling. Collect my money, pay up. We were from two totally different sides of the track with the one common ground. Music. We called the place church, but it was anything but that. It comes the family man. More like bow tie pimp. Keep away from my husband. Angel Davenport. Big Angel Davenport. In the flesh, honey. She look better in the pictures if you ask me. You're a cute piano player. Oh, Lord, I'm gonna be so hard. The price just went up to $2 a bottle. Who told you you was in charge? Who's gonna tell me I'm not? Now I gotta run the club and pay everybody. Figure it out, you always do. If I don't get killed first.2006 American musical film written and directed by Brian Barber. The film stars Andre 3000 and Big Boy of the hip-hop duo Outkast and features musical numbers written, produced, and chiefly performed by Outkast. The film contrasts the group's hip-hop funk soul sound against a story based on a juke joint in the fictional Depression-era town of Idlewild, Georgia in 1935. Besides Andre 3000 and Big Boy, the film also features performances by Terrence Howard, Faison Love, Melinda Williams, Ving Rhames, Ben Vereen, two Blink and You Miss Them cameos by Cicely Tyson and Patti LaBelle, and this was the choice of Lynn Webb. Lynn, what say you of 2006's Idlewild here the second week of Black Music Month here on the Michelle Mission? Before I tell you anything about Idlewild, I want to tell you a little something about the the stars of this film, Outcast. Andre 3000, Andre Andre... 
Andre Benjamin and big boy Antoine Patton, two high school friends who got together in 19, I believe like 1992 to create their, their group, um, outcast originally called two shades deep, um, deep in the heart of Atlanta, Atlanta, the ATL is baked into their sound their look into everything that is outcast so much so that their um their first hit was players ball um off of their debut album southern playalistic adilla music and they would have subsequent releases in 1996 with atlians uh and aqua mini and this was a group that was known for having this blend of what was hot in hip hop in the 90s all in one group. You had big boy Antoine Patton who was a, a motor mouth fast rapping, you know, slick ultra cool straight lace from the street raw dog rapper blended with his best friend Andre 3000 who was this um just this this piece of painting uh in front of a microphone with all these artistic influences that pulled from the worlds of funk and R&B and 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 jazz and blues and found its way to just marry into his soul and pour it out on all of all of uh his lyrics and this was a group that had huge hits um especially off of their uh album in 2000 stankonia with miss jackson sorry miss jackson Ooh, i am for real and then bob they just had crazy crazy hits and they were blowing up and as much popularity as they were gaining from their hits they gained even more popularity because of their look and because of their sound because of their videos because they were they were not dressed in oversized sweatsuits they were not dressed in just big baggy jeans they weren't gangster rappers they had a fashion and a style and a swag all unto themselves and it became what they represented and how they presented themselves became the look of southern hip-hop in the 90s for all the groups that followed in their in their wake um and then came speaker box which is when these two souls who for who for all of their albums had found a way to marry their sounds together on each and every one of their tracks with speaker box they more or less just released two individual albums as one it was speaker box slash the love below which featured two insane number one singles Hey Ya and The Way You Move Hey Ya was Andre 3000's incredibly rambunctious 
I, I, to call it hip hop is it is to really give it a misnomer of a name. It was just this piece of R and B pop rock magic that just dropped in the in the lap of radio in the nineties that harkened back to the sounds of the the sixties R and B, yet with the swag of the nineties all baked into it. And Andre the 3000 sold that song over lyrically, musically as he was singing a little bit on that and especially in the video where his huge expressive eyes, his high cheekbones, his slender build and his kinetic energy was used to um, maximum effect. The way you move was big boy and that was all about a banging beat that was all about getting um, butts out their seats and on the dance floor. It had an R&B progressive vibe to it. Big Boy was doing his thing with the lyrics. But I defy anybody to say if you really, really, really remember the lyrics because it was all about that insane beat. And that was also true of hip hop in the year 2000. These boys were on top of their game and people were coming at them in throngs to wanting to be in the outcast business, especially Andre 3000. But Andre 3000 locking in with lockstep with his boy was like, if you want me, you got to get my you got to bring my boy with you. Got to bring big boy who was his best friend and who quiet as kept Andre 3000, who. As expressive as he was in everything that he did musically was always a a person who was more reserved when you spoke to him in a public forum if you spoke to him like you got him in an interview or anything like that so big boy was kind of like the real big id of outcast so he kind of he kind of leaned in on that and especially when it came time for the, for their next project following speaker box and the love below which was going to be idle which was actually going to be this huge music video directed by their longtime music video director um brian Barber, I believe that was his name. Yeah, Brian mm-hmm. Barber. Brian Barber. That's right. And it was going to hark back to the musicals of the 30s and kind of find a way to blend that in with more of the jazzy influence that uh, Andre 3000 had was leaning more and more into in his music, as well as finding a way to marry that with the Southern flavored hip hop that Big Boy was so akin to to producing but as it happens when your star is on the rise opportunities come knocking at your door to take what was going to be just a simple thing and make it even better so out of while this huge music video project lo, lo, lo and behold becomes a movie project. HBO Films, wanting to be in the outcast business, throws money at them and say, yo, let's make this a movie. Let's let's do this up. 
all right, cool. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. And now we can follow perhaps the aesthetic of everything that we did off of our last huge hit, which was the speaker box and the love below, which was essentially two different albums married together as one project. Let's see if we can't make that work with the Idlewild movie while doing a movie that pays homage to the 30s musicals of uh, of old while also paying homage to the gangster flicks of old of those times as well like public enemy number one and little caesar and and you know so now they've got a oh man they've got this huge opportunity at at their fingertips and outcast a one-man shop wrote all the music for this for this project well hell we can also write the movie too why don't we do this well you know what brian barber their director he's always wanted to write so brian you know what we want to do you're our man you put this together because you know about putting scripts together bro we only know about the lyrics you put all our ideas take them together marry them in this script and let's make this thing happen man all right cool dog i'm with it let's make it happen the budget gets bigger we've got more more opportunities with that budget comes you know this is not going to be a music video now it's going to be a movie now we've got to cast people so let's get let's get some names in here let's get terrence howard i've seen terrence howard do some work let's get terrence howard in this joint ben varian oh that's my man that's my song and dance man from way back yes let's bring him in i want to see see him do some work we need a big we need a big boy we need a big tough dude to just just represent just um, meanness right there on the screen Ving Rhames yeah I can do this for a couple of minutes sure you got me for a day then they get bit. that's what my suit I gotta wear I'm with it boom Ving Rhames come, comes in you got Faison Love always you know nice to add a little touch of flavor to any project that he's on and lo and behold like you said blink and you miss it you got Cecily Tyson and you have um patty labelle in this film we need a femme fatale i don't know whether or not paula Patton was like you know how huge she was in 2006 but her star was a little bit on the rise in 2006 is paula Patton going to lock down on this let's get paula Patton in this sure is this what we're working on calls for her to sing paula Patton doesn't sing we got you. Don't even worry about it. We got that. Don't even worry about it. We, we're going to take care of you. They get somebody to dub in her voice for singing. She only got to sing one song anyway, so it's all good. Everything else is going to be handled by Andre 3000, Big Boy, Outcast in the building because this was supposed to be our music project anyway, so all the music is going to be us too. And because this was going to be our project, boom, we going to be the stars. We are going to be the leads. We know what to do. We've done this in videos time and time again. So sure, we can get up on the camera and and star and act and say and say lines and and put one and one together and make two and yo and we'll be good. Um and that's where the trouble begins. With <laughs> I was about to say, so what'd you think of the movie though? <laughs> that brings us to Out of Wild the movie. Where we learn that all of that fantastic charisma and 
energy and verve and electricity that Outkast brings to every one of their music videos gets turned off the minute they have to say anything that is not a rap lyric. Because the moment they have to act in front of the camera, it's all gone. It was all dust. And to be fair, not so much for Antoine Patton, a.k.a. Big Boy. Because Big Boy is more or less asked to play Mm -hmm. a version of himself in this movie Mm -hmm. in the role of Rooster um, the childhood friend of Andre 3000's character Percival who was a uh, a mortuary's a mortician's son but also on the low wanting to be a a pianist and songwriter Rooster a bit of a gangster-ish type of dude but more of a performer at this little juke joint uh, in the town of Idlewild. Big Boy's really pretty much asked to play himself. He's asked to basically be Big Boy, but just dress in 1930s clothes, okay? And at being Big Boy, he's not bad. The thing about Big Boy, unfortunately, is that... um, that big boy, for all of his braggadocious in his raps, he's always been, at least from the outside, considered the least interesting of the outcast duo. And he doesn't do anything in this film from an acting standpoint to prove differently about that. Because his acting is just there. He more or less is just saying the lines. He's not really... Doing, trying to perform in any way, right? Um, and while he's not asked to do a whole lot in this film, he's asked to do some things in this film, and he really can't pull them off. Um, and you can't fault the cast. Big Boy, when he's not reading against Andre 3000, he usually is reading uh, against his wife. Oh, Melinda Williams. Right, right, right. Melinda Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, Melinda Zora, Williams. That was her name. Uh, his wife, his mm-hmm. wife Zora, Melinda Williams, who is giving you know Melinda Williams a a a mm-hmm. good actress, and she you know she she gives it her all in this in this movie, but there is no chemistry between the two of them because Big Boy is pretty much just saying his lines. You know, he acts against. He has some scenes against Ving Rhames. Of course, he's not. He can't do anything against Ving Rhames because it's Ving Rhames. You know, you're not going to. If you don't know what you're doing from an acting standpoint, you're not going to show up, Ving Rhames. Right? Um, he has to act against Terrence Howard. Terrence Howard, come on, dog. Come on. That's not even fair. That's not even fair. <laughs> yeah. Terrence Howard, as part of the script, pretty much just beats up rooster yes. the entire movie <laughs> yes. and that's what terrence howard yes. the actor is doing yeah. to big boy yes he is just yes, he beating does. him up left and right <laughs> and just backs him around just yeah. smacking yeah. him around with with the script and smacking him around literally in the film right so there's that the bigger problem in this film and there's two huge problems and both of them are problems 1a and 1b 1A is that the emotional heft of this film 
is left to be carried by Andre 3000, Andre Benjamin, who from afar has always struck us as the most interesting member of Outcast mm-hmm. with his right. wow, exotic um, fashions and demeanor. Um, and to not for nothing, his loud and expressive way of delivering his songs when you see him in the videos or see him on stage and performing. However, Andre 3000 asked to play, like I said, Percival, a mortician's son in this movie, is asked to be just very down. He he he, he wants to be a performer, but his father is against him being a pro- performer, so that's he's got that weight on him. Um he can't find a way to get involved with a woman. I don't know whether or not he's a played as a virgin or not he certainly seems he's played as someone who who has not a lot of experience with women um so he's he's down about that and but down doesn't mean have no energy down doesn't mean do not be present in a moment it doesn't mean it it doesn't mean that you can't show some level of inflection in your voice and in your reading of a line or in your uh change your look uh the look in 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 your demeanor as a scene is playing out he is stuck in one face one tone one frame of mind the entire film regardless of whether or not he is being browbeaten by his father regardless of not of whether or not he's having a good time playing the piano on stage regardless of not of whether or not he is in a very awkward uh sex scene with Paula Patton regardless <laughs> or not of whether he's supposed to be mad regardless of, of whether or not he's supposed to be sad regardless of not the 1.5 seconds of time when he actually is supposed to laugh in this movie he is the exact same face and level of energy throughout this film and that is not cool because everything is this this movie really rests on his on shoulders, his shoulders. Yeah. and absolutely that is not cool that is that is just not getting over at all and the other reason why this is not getting over is because of the direction and the script by Brian Barber the script borrows from Everything I talked about playing homage to the 30s musicals, playing homage to the gangster films of the of the 30s. This film like lifts whole, you know, parts of those films for this for this film. Like the whole idea of the gangster trying to get out of the business. So he's sell, he's selling off his business to to the best offer. Of course, his the, his second banana is going to um is is going to turn the tables on him. That's right out of an uh 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 Edward G uh, Edward G Robinson movie from the 30s, right? The whole idea of, you know, the girl Paula Patton's character who is 
uh, stealing her, steal someone else's name so that she can try to make it uh, on the stage. But she's a little nervous, but she's got a piano player that's going to be able to, to help her through. That's stolen right out of a Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers movie, right? I mean, all of this stuff, it's, it's just lifted out of, out of these films. And that's fine. If you can make it, if you can make it work in this setting, maybe you can pull it off. But then your direction has to be has to be tight. First thing we've talked about when you're doing a musical, and especially if it's a musical with musical numbers and dancing, is that there are moments when you just need to lock down the damn camera and let the people perform in front of the camera, let the dancers do their work in front of the camera. But Brian Barber, coming from a music video background where everything is all multiple cuts and slow moves and quick cuts yeah. and, and mm-hmm. intense close-ups and three-body shots of people performing, he doesn't know how to shoot a musical. He doesn't know how to shoot performances. So those performances come off as very sloppy. The energy is is really off it doesn't it doesn't match and you really can't enjoy the performances um it doesn't hurt it doesn't help that the songs as written by outcast are not the best outcast songs they are not memorable at all there's not a memorable song in this idol in the outer wild soundtrack i defy you to find one um but that doesn't help but maybe if you marry it, marry it with some good visuals, maybe that works. Okay, he can't shoot a performance. Doesn't make sense because he's a music video person. But maybe he'll lock down the camera and be able to shoot just some regular scenes. Oh no, he can't do that either because everybody's in shadow. There's a moment where everybody is literally in shadow. Their whole face is in shadow when Paula Patton first comes into the to the movie. She isn't total shadow paula Patton, who is a very good looking woman but a very light-skinned woman you just put a, a a bulb on her you should be able to see her face she's in complete shadow through much of the opening of this film there are other moments where you know the camera is is it's in the wrong place to catch this person's dialogue it's just really it's just a, a very badly directed very badly staged very awkward film um how are you going to have a film that's supposed to be harking back to the 30s musicals and you got patty labelle for a cameo and patty labelle is on screen for literally one minute of time and she does not sing a lick she doesn't even hum she doesn't do anything (laughs) musical at all she yes she's in a club She's about to go perform, but you don't hear her. You don't see her perform. Well, well, that costs extra. Apparently, well, yes, apparently. <laughs> I, I have a funny feeling Patty LaBelle didn't even know she was going to be in the film until the camera showed up backstage and mm-hmm. said, Patty LaBelle, can you do us a favor real quick? <laughs> Cecily Tyson shows up a half hour before the movie sh- um, ends in the middle of the road. <laughs> I'm not even sure the character has a name. She literally is just there for 
her, 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 the character's name might as well be religious dialogue because she's just there <laughs> to give a religious dialogue to give some type of you know motivation to a rooster character makes no sense good dialogue she and she pulls it off she's cecily tyson what else she gonna do but it it just comes complete i mean literally it she shows up in the middle of the road ladies and gentlemen she just pops up out of nowhere and how is this movie two hours long in one minute two hours and one minute and I lie to you not ladies and gentlemen the movie ends at an hour 45 (laughs) there's another 20 minutes I actually wrote in my notes. How are there 17 minutes left? There's like 17 minutes of movie after everything is wrapped up. It's dead bodies everywhere. I'm like, the villain is gone. And then it said 17 minutes. I said, wow. That's I'm like, quite an epilogue. This is, this is crazy. And plus, and plus, this film features one of the most I, I text this to Vince it features one of the most are you kidding me moments that I have ever seen in a film in a world where there is a juke joint where people get up and dance and they have a good time there's music there's cars playing left left and right Rooster is talking to an animated flask in this movie there are little um musical notes running around on paper left and right in this in this movie cute little touch feels out of place in the movie but a cute little touch but in this world where we learn that people take photographs people take pictures the only pictures that are taken in this film are of dead people. And not and not just taking pictures of dead people. It's not crime photos, not crime scene photos, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, no, 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 no. These are decorated <laughs> posed people for a photograph now spoiler alert for a film for a film that is already 15 years old one of the photos is of paula Patton's character angel beautifully adorned in a casket and a photo of her taken in the casket but just a couple of minutes before then we see it's a little blurry but we see an image of paula Patton's dead body slouched on a chair in a wedding gown yes are you kidding me with this movie out of while there is nothing wild about this movie there is nothing (laughs) idle about this movie and unfortunately there is also nothing 
good about this movie? I will start with what I disagree with, which will be short. I disagree with you about Big Boy. I actually like Big Boy. I think Big Boy, I think Big Boy is charming. I think Big Boy is really? is charismatic. I think there is a level of charisma to Big Boy that I get like on a scale of one to TI, as far as rappers who have now become actors, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, multi-hyphenates like Will Smith or Queen Latifah or most deaf or LL. like rappers who or LL, but like, like, you know, as good as TI is, I think TI is still a rapper who's become an actor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like big boy is about a seven. Like I get big boy, like big, I, I like big boy in this. I like big boy in ATL. I've seen big boy in something else. Like I get big boy and that is pretty much the only thing I really disagree with you about. And even that isn't a real disagreement as it is just a a, a, a shade, a, a, a different shade of what you said. Okay. Like you, I think the biggest problem of this film is everyone put their money on Andre 3000. Yep. Like everyone said, much like you said, like, like, you know, it's the two of them and you separate the duos and, and, you know, whether we are talking about, um, you you know, I can't think of a third example, but I always think of, you you know, Q-tip was the artsy one. Fife is the streety one. Mm -hmm. And we always try and, and attribute these, these, the, these, these sort of personality traits Mm -hmm. to these MCs. Like you said, Andre 3000 is sort of the artsy one, sort of the deep one, and Big Boy always wore to fit it. Right. So if you were going to make this movie, it seems like you would make, as you said, Andre 3000, the emotional center with the love story and everything that you said. And it's just not there. Like, it's just not there. And it really hurts that I think there are some interesting pieces here. Like, like I actually like the 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 storyline about Big Boy's character Rooster trying to try trying to to juggle his family life with the always welcome Melinda Williams. Mm-hmm. Like there there are so many actors in here that I just love. Like I love Melinda Williams, and what I hope is that she made so much soul food money that she just doesn't have to work anymore. Right? Yeah. Always good to see Melinda Williams. We've talked about Paula J. Parker before. Always good to see Paula J. Parker. I I I feel like that triangle was interesting, and I liked when the, in in there's a moment there's not where a lot Paula of it, J. Though. Parker leaves. Well, Paula J. Parker leaves the film, and I actually put it in my notes. No, <laughs> like she leaves the film just as they elevate Paula Patton. Who I, you know, I, like I'm, I'm really sort of neutral about Paula Patton. Yeah, me too. Like I've seen her in a couple of things that I like, and then she's just sort of non-distracting. But Paula Patton to me was the least interesting actress in this film. I think I agree. I agree. Even behind Macy Gray. Gray. 
So it's like the least interesting actress of all the actresses in this film, Andre 3000, who just, it, it just isn't there. If they're at the center of the film, in my mind, everything else falls apart. I think everything you said about the direction and, and you know, and, and Brian Barber isn't, wasn't a filmmaker. Like you said, he was a video uh, maker. He, he made videos. And this film looks like something that someone who is more comfortable with the language of videos made. If you have a stronger center, I think a lot of his missteps, we can say, could be forgivable. I like Terrence Howard. Terrence Howard actually has a line in here that I say all the time. Like, it's actually become part of part of my personal mantra, where at one point, uh, Rooster says to him, basically, who says you're in charge? And, and his character says, who gonna tell me I'm not? That's right. And I love this braggadocio. I love this this sort of I'm going to take everything mm -hmm. that people, you, you know, I love this about him. Ving Rhames, as you says, as you say, for the moment that he's in here, really inhabits this role of this gangster. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think Faison Love has really perfected this funny menace balance. Yeah, he's found a role for himself. Like, yeah. like, like he very much is a guy who you don't take seriously until you have to take him seriously. Mm -hmm. Poor Ben Vereen, I think, thought he was going to be in an August Wilson play. Yeah. Like, Ben Vereen, Ben Vereen looked like he prepared for this role. Like, there are moments between Ben Vereen and Andre 3000 where I wonder if Ben Vereen did his scenes with a green screen. Because they are in two completely different universes that's true that's true the way ben vereen is acting as this kind of complicated you you know alcoholic verbally abusive but just broken man mm -hmm. and then there's andre 3000 well, I almost feel like Ben Vereen's never struck me as the most subtle actor, but I almost feel like he's maybe even trying to overcompensate a little bit because he's not being given anything back because that's the only person he really acts against in the entire film. Yeah, but but it is like it is like a black hole of acting that just sucks Andre 3000 in so that there are moments where the two of them are in, on the screen together where Andre 3000 is just invisible. I agree. But there's a moment, there's especially there's one moment where Andre 3000 is supposed to be angry at his father. He's supposed to be screaming yes. at his father. And Andre, and and you can almost feel, and maybe, and maybe I'm putting feelings into the scene that, uh, that aren't there, but you can almost feel Ben Vereen like primed for, okay, he's going to give it to me. And Andre is like, Father, no. Why'd you burn in my music? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. like, dog. I mean, come on. What do you want Ben Vereen to do? You know, he's still he's still gotta sell a scene because these are the only scenes I got. <laughs> you know I mean? Right, right, right. I I will say I, I I like the budget. You know, I like the costumes. Like I'm always uh, I'm always a halfway sucker for a black period piece 
that looks like it was well financed. And you mentioned it um, sort of offhanded with um, Ving Rhames' suit. People look good. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, everybody looks very, very good. So I give credit where credit is due. But I really do think this was... This is a misfire because people put their chips on Andre on aspects. Yeah. Yeah. Basically Andre, people put their chips on Andre 3000 and there was this moment, there was this two, three year window where you saw that, that it like, you could see everyone was trying to prime him Mm -hmm. to kind of get to that level or, or to take that kind of leap. You know, people we've mentioned that, that Will Smith leap, that Queen Latifah leap uh, to a certain extent, Although it, it seems like he's gone off and done other, like most deaf, there was a period where most deaf was doing a lot of acting and, and it just isn't there. And it's a shame because you, you know, like I said, people were there for it. Yeah. I, I, and I think, uh, most deaf or Yasin Bey, let's give him his props, um, is definitely the, the person to, com- to compare, with, with when it comes to Andre 3000 because you got to remember Andre 3000 not long after this gets cast in the Jimi Hendrix movie that's right yeah you know, that's right which, which seems like a part made for him right and he can't he does he doesn't pull that off either um the other like the ba- the, the really bad part about this is that he's so low key and i think to be fair to him, I think he is acting. I, 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 I don't think it's, this is a matter of him not trying to act. I think it's him just doing the wrong thing acting-wise. Because at the end of the film, when he finally decides to make his own break, as it were, and we see him performing, um, he's supposed to kind of like be in his in his world now and happy right, with his right. life mm-hmm. and even then he's still performing very low key he's still not leaning into it he doesn't you don't see him lean into anything or become the Andre 3000 that you are aware of until after that and that song ends and then there's another track, which is decidedly just a music video, which is decidedly right. just Andre 3000 now on stage. And now all of a sudden he's expressive. He's, the eyes are going, he's dancing, he's grooving. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, dude, where was this for two hours right, right, and for the one past minute? Two hours, yeah. You know something else about the performances? And, and I'm wondering if what I'm about to say informed your lackluster response to the dance numbers. I remember in 2006 really enjoying the dance numbers. Okay. Like, like in, and, 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 and I, and I have to say Brian Barber's decision to, to sort of show the link between the energy of the thirties and, and this type of dancing and the performance and hip hop. I kind of like the instinct. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that there is this continuum of black performance. But the difference between 2006 and now is I think, at least I'll, I'll just speak to myself, 
speak for myself. I don't remember seeing as much footage of performances from the 20s and 30s as I do now. Like, you know, now you just sort of scroll through social media and people are always posting little clips Mm -hmm. from the 20s and 30s. and, And, you know, these wonderful clips of people dancing. You and I have talked a couple of times, whether, you know, whether when we were looking at stormy weather, whether we watched, um, uh, what was it? The, um, Cab Calloway. Wait, is that Heidi Ho? Heidi Ho. Heidi Ho. Yeah. Heidi Ho. Where, where, where even talking about someone like the Mills brothers plus Lois, I think we have so much more access to this footage and it paled in comparison so much. Like I like like the energy that you see in these old performances. Even even the, the performance you're talking about with Andre Three Thousand, where it has the two slides, which is very much a reference to that wonderful Nicholas Brothers yes. Yes. performance, the, where they do the stairs dance. This in no way can compare to that clip. No with the Nicholas brothers dancing up the steps and then sliding down the dance sequences where, where everyone is doing the jitterbug and they're throwing, like when you see the actual performances from the twenties and thirties, that crazy manic we're doing all this. Cause we're fighting segregation energy that you get from them clips. It just isn't here. And to me, it made me go, huh? Well, I guess this is all right, but it made me want to, you know, it made me want to, again, look up something. I wanted to look up the Mills Brothers plus Lois. Right, right. And watch them perform. But see, but you don't even have to go that far back. What made the, those moments lackluster for me was from a direction standpoint, like I said, you, you at some point, you don't, yes, you're going to have cuts, but at some point you've got to lock down the camera and let the people perform, let people you know, take in what is happening and trust people's eyes that they will follow where they're supposed to if the if the performance has been choreographed smartly. But you've got to right, lock down right. the camera and trust to do that, right? Also, if you think back to those musicals, and you don't have to go back to the 30s musicals. I mean, you can go back there, but you don't have to go back there. You can go right to uh, School Days by Spike Lee. You could go. I was going to say Malcolm X if you want to do a one to one. Okay, you could go go there, but I was thinking about the, dance, the school the days. Dance the sequence. school days is the musical, and it's got that huge dance sequence in there. It the the first thing that you learn about a musical is that it's a marriage of two elements. It's the performance, whether or not it's the person singing or the dancing that is happening and the music the visuals is just a way to broadcast that which means Mm -hmm. that you let the performance uh, slash dancing rule and the music should be all you hear you don't need to hear you know clicking of the shoes or anything like that unless it's the t- tap dancing or anything like that that you don't need to hear any other ambient noise you should just hear the music the music should swell 
at that moment to fill the screen, as it were, and so that you are transported into that moment of this musical performance. No, that does not happen at any time in in this movie. If you want to argue against it maybe happening when your music is being used as the backdrop for an action scene, like there's a car chase scene that happens that happens in this film, that's one thing. But when it it's supposed to be the music is supposed to be what is actually happening here on stage in this space, then that should be all you are taking in. And if you go back to school days, that's what happens. If you go back to the greatest musicals, that's what happens. If you go to music videos, if you're a music video guy, that is what happens. Well, well, again, I'm thinking of that that great dance sequence at the beginning of Malcolm X. Yeah, yeah. Uh I know where you're going. or, 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 Or even the dance sequence in something like Rage in Harlem. Like, I'm thinking about things that we've talked about. Or dance sequences in Tap. Remember Tap. Or, or the dance sequences in Tap. So, but yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. I, I guess, you, you know, this is sort of pro forma at this point, but would you recommend Idlewild? No. Stay away. It's I, I'm sorry. Um, I'm a huge Outcast fan. I'm a huge fan of both of them. I agree they both have amazing charisma, but this is not a good display for them for their music and for the performers that are in there you've seen them do way better in other things so no i i can't recommend it either there's nothing about this film i can recommend it for i want to i want to and and there's like a, a lot of movies that i want to recommend where there are bits and pieces to pluck at, but but you really kind of deflate even that argument when you say everyone in here that I really like, whether it is a Melinda Williams or a Paula J. Parker or Terrence Howard or Ving Rhames or hell, Macy Gray mm. have done better work. Like like Macy Gray is in here for a minute, but she's in in um training day for a minute too. And she's better in training day. Yep. So unfortunately, even that argument that I want to make is falling apart here in real time. So I don't think I can recommend it either. And it's a shame. It's a shame because it was a real missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, it, it is. It is it's a good title. I mean, <laughs> it was right in the time mm. where it was primed to blow them up even further. Look, and again, money. You can see that the studio spent money on this mm-hmm. which is is always something that is worthwhile but but yeah unfortunately I, I i i too will say that this is something that you can skip but um hey if you don't want to take our word for it ladies and gentlemen feel free check out ottawa <laughs> that is the weirdest thing to me that you said like they just sat here with us listening to us Hey, 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 hey. You're like a stereotypical 90s Italian gangster. Hey, what do I know? What do I know over here? Go watch it. I'm just being real, man. I'm just being real. Like, you know, there's some point where, you know, in doing these reviews, I think that especially when you you don't like a film and like the creator sees sees that you don't like the film and they're like, (laughs) oh, what are these guys? Right. 
So, what do these guys know? I'm like, yeah, you're right. Guys? What do we know? You don't have to tell them now. Like, I think everyone knows what are these guys. Hey, what do I know over here? <laughs> well, I mean, look, I told you don't see it. But <laughs> I, I was straight up. Don't see it. But if you want to, go ahead. Rock on. And I don't want to hear your Just mouth. Just don't at me. Like, like that's what you really <laughs> said. That's what you really said. I don't want to hear your mouth. Exactly. That's basically what I'm saying. That's basically what I'm saying. <laughs> Nice. That's nice, Lynn. That's nice. <laughs> what do I know? Go see it. But don't say I ain't tell you. <laughs> but don't do it. Don't say I ain't tell you. Don't be dropping in my DMs like, Lynn, I went and saw Ottawa. I ain't tell you to see that shit. <laughs> nice. That's nice. I told you to watch Ray. Right. <laughs> right. So you only do it when it's one that you don't recommend. Like when you like it, you say, okay, go see it. But then if you don't like it, you say, what do I know? <laughs> well, you know what? Okay. To be fair though, to be f- that's I, I kind of like that though. Like, like you don't, you don't want to, like, you don't want to give too much authority. Right. To negativity. And plus, and plus at the end of the day, these are black creatives that got together. They didn't get together to make a bad movie. Right, 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 so right. So give them some love. Right. So, so okay. Well, all right. Now, see, I kind of like that. So when we like it, it is almost this air of authority where we say this gets the stamp of approval. Go see this. Right. But if we don't like it, you really privilege and put a spotlight on the subjectivity of criticism exactly like at the end of the day where we're you know hey look like moses didn't tell us that this was a bad movie like moses didn't come down with two slabs that said this was a bad movie thou shalt not ottawa right 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 i know we're doing this in real time but it does it, it did kind of took it always like it tickles me when you do that at the end of the show hey well what do we know but now I see the pattern and I kind of respect that. I respect that. I like that. So when we like it, go see Ray. Bam. And although Moses didn't tell us that Ray was a good movie, we just look, we're going to stand on this. Like we stand on Ray. Right. We stand on, on Ray. But like Medea goes to jail. We go, Hey, what do I know? We stand to the side. We say, <laughs> okay. All right. That's all I needed. All right. <laughs> this is what happens when they don't write us. <laughs> All right. Before we tell you what will be on the podcast next week, we invite you to email us um, all of your thoughts and concerns. Email us, please, so that we, you don't, you, you don't want an opening like this of this episode. Like this episode was, please email us at mission at gmail dot com. Misho is M I C H E A U X M I W S I O N at gmail dot com. Like and follow us on all of the social media: Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube, everywhere on social media. We are at Me Show Mission. And two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. Go to MeShowMission.com. Our new website, which has been totally upgraded. Our website has got a whole huge upgrade right now. 
I think it looks pretty good if I do say so myself as the guy who designed it. <laughs> I think it looks pretty fly. Um, it does look good. You see what I did? Boom. Thank you. Uh, all of our like episodes Moses are not up there just yet. Uh, we've got about a good 40 episodes up there, but all, all of our episodes will be making it uh, its way to our new um, website over the next few weeks. Um, but go check it out at MishoMission.com. And, and if nothing else, write us and tell us what you, you, you think of the the new website that's where you can also subscribe to the michelle mission dispatch our weekly newsletter to let people know what's coming up next on the show and give you some insight on things that are going on in the michelle mission world on last week's michelle mission dispatch we actually gave a link to the we are the world story that vince referenced uh last week on the show so we actually put a link to that story in the michelle mission dispatch so that's where you can you can find that. And you can also hit swag there to check out all of the cool designs that are available for your buying pleasure, courtesy of our good friends at T Public. And the Michelle Mission is also a proud member of the Podglomerate curated podcast for your earbuds. Go to thepodglomerate.com. And we should also let you know that this episode of the Michelle Mission is sponsored. It's sponsored by Scribd.com. Scribd.com. Endless entertainment and knowledge. You can read or listen anytime, anywhere. You can get download audio books, download uh, magazines. You can download books. It's all there at Scribd.com. And if you use the promo code MM for the Michelle Mission, you get a free 60-day trial of this mm-hmm. endless world of entertainment and knowledge. Go to scribd.com that's C-S-C-R-I-B-D dot com slash M-M for a free 60-day trial. Alright. Next week on the Michelle Mission, we are continuing our celebration of Black Music Month and it is Vince's turn to select the film that we will be watching and ooh, he has a very underappreciated and slept on gem for us, Vince? Is that right? Well, I'm not going to say unappreciated or slept on. I will say it is a film that does not get a lot of attention and that would be the film Scott Joplin, a Motown production starring Billy D. Williams. From 1970, you wouldn't have him have it in front of you, would you? Ah, uh, I believe it's 1977. Seven, I believe. Yeah, I think that's that is actually yeah, 19, the year. yeah, from 1977. So we will be talking about that on the next episode. Oh wow, I am looking forward to that most certainly. I never heard of it, so me either. Me either. I never heard of it before a few weeks ago and I thought I knew all the Motown movies. Right. And it came out in 1977 and as far as I'm concerned there's only one movie that came out in 1977. Corvette Summer? That was in 1977. I know. I was trying to make the joke. As I was saying it I was like I think Corvette Summer came out in 78 or 79. I know. Probably 78 because didn't he shoot it around the same time as Star Wars? That's a good question. I actually think it came out before, but I could be wrong. But yes, the Star Wars came out in 1977. Yes, 77. Yeah, I remember. Oh, now I did Cor- Corvette Summer couldn't have come out before Star Wars because that was a whole deal. 
Because that was the film he was in afterwards. It was his first appearance after Star Wars. Right. So, yeah, that, I was trying to see. But I thought maybe it was shot in 77. Because I know they were completely unprepared mm-hmm. for it to be a deal. And then it was only a deal because... Um, Mark Harmon. Mark, Mark... Mark Hamill. Not Mark, Mark Harmon. Mark, Mark, Mark Hamill was in it, yeah. Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. That's right. That's right. All right. All right. All right. So, yes. 77 was Star Wars. <laughs> you know... We were talking about the movie. And Scott Joplin, about say, apparently. We were talking about the movie we were going to review, and we already dipped onto another movie. I was about to say, that's, that's never a good sign. Because <laughs> we didn't even get distracted by Star Wars. We start talking about a Star Wars curio. Oh, you mean Corvette Summer. The film that Luke Skywalker made after Star Wars. <laughs> Let's get the details on that one. <laughs> well, well, we'll talk about Corvette Summer tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yes. On the Scott Joplin show. <laughs> <We'll see. laughs> yes. Yeah. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, uh, he's Vince, I'm Len, and in parting we say... <laughs> We'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>